everybody, it's me, Roscoe, and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. The first of 2024. Happy New Year to you all. Uh, I'm joined by two fine gentlemen in AJ and good old Stuart Watson. No Heafy, he's um, having a nice little lie down ready for the big year ahead. And uh, obviously we're here to talk about two back-to-back goalless draws, which we weren't expecting to talk about. Um, definitely against two struggling outfits in the championship. Uh, let's go over to good old Stuart Watson first, the man who went to Stoke and is back. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you both. Um, I did go to Stoke yesterday. Um, some of us are made for, for a cold New Year's Day afternoon at the Bet365 Stadium. It's not for everyone. I hope you were tucked up nice, nice and warm in your houses yesterday. Oh, no, I got wet. I was out. I was outside and I got a bit wet. So I was like, "Damn it, I should have stayed in." Uh, AJ, were you nice and tucked in, nice and warm on New Year's Day? I was Happy taking um, shopping. Happy New Year, everyone! Yes, I was taking shopping, so um, not massively. I was kind of stood in the backgrounds. My girlfriend went around New Look and H and M and all those places, and I was like just browsing through team news and things that came out. So it was a nice little bit where I got to follow everything that went along. I don't know if maybe nice is the right word, but um, yeah, it was a, a good way to start the year at least. Yeah, indeed. Um, of course, the podcast is proudly sponsored by Manscaped. Um, if you want to have a fresh look for 2024, use the code KOA to get 20% off for all your below the um, waist grooming, your nose ears and all that stuff. You know what, you know what Manscaped does these days. Uh, well, Stu, AJ, um, where do you want to start? Because um, two goalless draws, Stu, which I don't think we're expecting to talk about. The festive period was was busy. Um, Town couldn't score um, in two games over the, the last two games. Obviously, the QPR 0-0 at Portman Road and then, of course, 0-0 at Stoke. Yeah, exactly that. I don't think anyone was predicting that we'd be talking about back-to-back goalless draws for Ipswich Town, given some of the scorelines that we've had this season. Um, so it's probably a little bit frustrating, is the word, the sort of the last two games. Um, I would certainly wouldn't go as far as, as disappointing. Um, I know it's kind of split people as a bit of glass half full, glass half empty about uh, what is now a, a five-game winless run. Um, but as I wrote in a, in a piece this morning, um, I don't think there's anything to be underwhelmed about this season. I don't think even this little festive period has been that underwhelming, to be honest. You go back to you know, the Norwich game, better side, play that game as we've said, 10 times over. They, they win it nine times out of 10, probably against Norwich, just didn't take their chances. Uh, Leeds was just one of those days. It can happen against a, a side with that, that quality of, of player in attack. Um, bounced back really well with a really good performance against Leicester that, that absolutely deserved that late equaliser on Boxing Day. They're averaging two and a half points a game. And we're 26 games in at the moment. So that was a huge point, only a few days on from Leeds. QPR is what it is, comes with it with the massive sort of caveat of five key players being out for that. Yes, that was disjointed. Yes, that was a disappointing performance, but there were reasons for it. And then yesterday at Stoke, I thought was was much more like Ipswich with Broadhead, with Burns back in the side, with Morsi back in the side. Some of those familiar patterns were, of play were there. They, um, I thought they played pretty well between both boxes for most of the game, defended well, just didn't have that that last little bit up front um, to get the goal. Um, obviously frustrating not, not to be able to score against 10 men late on, but it is a point away from home against the Stoke side that have been improving under Stephen Schumacher that haven't lost too many games of late themselves. So overall... I think they've come through a really difficult run of fixtures when you rewind and add like Middlesbrough and Watford away, games like that in, which we shouldn't forget about. They've come through a really difficult run of of December slash early January fixtures in, in pretty good shape, I'd say. Yeah. AJ, what's your what's your feelings over the you know festive period? Obviously the injuries have been piling up. That's another big thing for the last two games. A lot of changes. Um, you know, of course, George Hurst will get on to shortly, Leaf Davis as well. But um, both games, is it seven changes in both games, you know, when lineup come about? I think seven Blimey. changes for QPR and then I think potentially Stoke. Oh, well, we was a bit confused about the QPR game because mm. it was seven changes to start with, but then yeah. Nathan Broadhead 
who was one of those changes, is ill in the warm-up and then he gets swapped for Harness, who had started the previous game. So it was a, I think that ended up being six, didn't it, uh, effectively? Yeah. But yeah, six changes for, for QPR and then seven um, yesterday. Yeah, I think even if you look at that and you look at the, the team that was put out for Stoke, obviously stronger, but you're still looking at a team that defensively performed, I think, pretty well in that one from what I could you know, see and, and hear from that one. Um, still ended up as a team where Harry Clark played left-back. I've seen Harry Clark play left-back once and I thought he had a torrid time. And from what I understand, again, looked and sounded like he was pretty good in this one. Axel Twanzebe on the right, out of position. Two centre-backs there with Wolfen and, and Edmondson. Edmondson playing one of his better games, seemingly. And, and with all of that, it, it just feels like they're doing a lot against the odds. And that's not an easy thing to do at the end of the day when you've got all these fixtures piling up. We've had two games in the space of, well, three games in the space of a week. We've now got two league games in, what, the next three weeks pretty much now. No league game for another two weeks. This is now a chance to reset. And I think that is the most important thing is that you look at, and a lot of teams have had this, and that's why a lot of teams have struggled. And you've seen that the teams who have maybe bigger, stronger squads for the level, wherever they are in the Football League, uh, maybe dealing with it a little bit more. But teams like Town and there'll be others, um, who maybe don't have it quite to the same extent, they'll be hit by five, six, seven absentees, and it's really going to hit deep. And, and when you have three big games in the space of a week, when you go Leicester, and then a few days later you have QPR, and a few days later you have Stoke, it all starts to add up quite a lot. Um, this is now a period to go and reset, and I think the fact that they came out of that relatively unscathed, at least in terms of defeats, at least in terms of conceding goals, I think that's really important. It's, it's quite easy to sort of... It's natural when you've the winning habit has become so ingrained in all of us. We've become a bit addicted to this winning feeling over the course of twelve months. That it's kind of a hard emotional reaction when when that hasn't happened as much of late. But I do think you need to look around and remind yourself of what Ipswich are up against, how they're punching massively above their weight, what our expectations were going into this season. I think all of our predictions were kind of around remind me sort of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, we hope that they would have a bit of momentum. Yeah, even even lower in, in some cases. But even that felt like there's not many teams. I know Sunderland did it last year as a newly promoted team finishing the top six, but there's not many that do that. And I know we're now talking about Southampton and Norwich did back-to-back promotions, but you're going back, you know, best part of 15 years for, for evidence of that. That's not the norm. It's nay normal, as uh, Paul Lambert used to say. And... Um, I just think we maybe it's not a bad little little reality check of just where we're at. You can't win them all. Leeds have lost two games since beating Ipswich. Southampton were were held to a draw against Norwich yesterday. Thank you very much to our feathered friends up the road. Sounds like they properly parked the bus at home and quite quite a flat atmosphere at Carrow Road. Um, not wishing to sort of dwell too much on what's happening up up the A140, but it's just just a reminder that you know even. These, these big clubs, big squads, recent established Premier League outfits are, are not winning every week, apart from Leicester, um, in, in, this, in this division at the moment. So for me, I think there's too many games over, over Christmas. The way it fell this year with, with the game coming on the 23rd, the Saturday falling on the 23rd, I think. That was too much, and I think you don't you know, want to win a break, though, do you, Stu? You don't want to win a break. <laughs> I want a winter break. I respect the traditions of, of festive football in this country. I like Boxing Day football. I think it's nice to have New Year's Day football. For me, kind of that QPR game, and it's not just because Ipswich had a load of players out for that one. I think uh, that was just uh, uh, squeezing another game in between the twenty sixth and and the first felt a bit much with with having played on the 23rd as well this year. Um, I heard Stephen Schumacher saying something similar after the game. I think you'll probably hear quite a few managers saying that. It just, the quality of the game against QPR wasn't great. There was a bit of a sort of a flat feel around the bet 365 leading up to the game yesterday. Uh, maybe that's just because people are sort of nursing hangovers on, on New Year's Day. Um I don't know. It just felt it just felt a bit saturation point for football to me over the festive period. You're asking a lot of people to to keep paying their money for game after game as well and stuff like that. I just think it devalues the the whole product a little bit um, with with having just probably one game too many over that over that period. But Ipswich are through it now. 
they're still second in the table. They're still three points clear of Southampton. It's a scenario which um, would have been beyond all of our wildest dreams before a ball was kicked, that's for sure. Yeah, and obviously, um, big shout out to the town fans who did go uh, to Stoke. I think there's over 2,000 in that away end. So, and a half, um, yeah. Yeah, wow. So, wow. Congratulations, everyone. A lot of you, I'm sure, were nursing hangovers. A bit of the bubbly um, was had, I'm sure, on New Year's um, Eve and then New Year's Day. I'm sure, pro- sure they'll pro- probably continue their drinking on their way up to Stoke on the trains and such. Um, shall we just um, sort of overview of the Stoke game, Stu? Um, yeah. Obviously, another game without a goal which uh, is now back-to-back games without a goal. And um, obviously, my hot take of the season was uh, the score in every game, uh, just not the nil-nils. Obviously, the West Brom game killed that. <laughs> and also the Leeds game. But now it's back-to-back draws. Uh, is that a bit of a worry that no goals been scoring, no cutting edge really for town? Um, I'll come on to that in a minute. But the, the good stuff from the game is defended really well. And as Alex says, when I look, we looked at that back four before the game, when the team was announced, I think there was a bit of head scratching as to how the defence would line up. Would it Was it going to be a back three? Who would be the right back if it was a back four? Uh, it ended up being Harry Clark shifting over to to left back. Um, Axel Twenzebi was, was the right back. Uh, and George Edmondson came in for a rare start, first start he's had since late October. And... Um, as a defensive unit, they were immense. I thought George Edmondson in particular was really impressive. The first 20 minutes or so, which were, were penned in, Stoke um, were on the front foot for several corners, but Edmondson got his head on on various things. If uh, if a teammate needed backing up, he was he was there to sweep round uh, on the ball. He was he was nice and calm and composed. So. In the past, I've never been quite convinced about Edmondson on the left side of the two centre-halves. I think it, Ipswich lose a little bit of, of left-footed balance there, but he was he was great. I thought Harry Clark was really good from left-back um, going forwards and, and defensively, but he was a real good attacking outlet up that side. Um, so a clean sheet was was a major positive to take away from the game. It was one they, they really earned, especially, as I say, in that, that first 20 minutes where we've talked a lot about this season about Ipswich conceding early goals. And so that, to me, was a big step in the right direction that they could show they could weather those early storms and and get themselves into, into a game. Um, the next good thing about the performance was having weathered that storm the way Ipswich then made it their sort of game. Um, it was back to playing through the press, playing through the thirds, controlling possession, passing, probing, those patterns of play that we've, you know, we've come to know and love, which which I think was aided by Sam Morsey being back in the side, Burns, etc. Um, it was kind of pantomime season. Uh, whenever Hlaki had the ball at his feet, there was sort of uh, sarcastic cheers and whoop from the Stoke fans. And then about the third or the fourth time, Hlaki kind of picked the pass and Ipswich just turned their way out of danger and played through it. That kind of abated a little bit, and they, I think, the home crowd realised, ah, actually, they're pretty good at playing through this. We should probably shouldn't sort of uh, go overboard on this. So, yeah, that was really good between both boxes, really good. And to answer your first point, the the only downside of of the afternoon really was the lack of clear cut chances created at the end of it, and. Um, uh, probably there's probably no getting away from it. It's it's um it's the George Hurst factor. I think we're probably starting to see a bit like Sam Morsey. You you don't appreciate what you've got till it's gone, and um not just his his goals, but his assists and his general sort of play that facilitates so much for others up front has just not quite been there with with the, either Freddie Ladapo or Caden Jackson kind of leading the line in in the last two games. Yeah, and um, AJ McKenna. Came out, he's going to see a surgeon this week for his ruptured um, hamstring. Um, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, not scoring. Obviously, we've just been used to town scoring goals for fun. Of course, away from home, it's the one nil scoreline, weren't it? You know, but at least we're still scoring the goals. But uh, yeah, not good news on on Hursty. Yeah, probably the one in that front four that you would kind of feel the effect of losing the most. I'd say six goals, six assists, and it's it's comes from a player where you probably don't really feel like he's contributed that much in a way. I think that it actually takes you maybe looking quite in depth at what he's doing to realise, wow, actually, he's doing a lot for this team. And I think that there, there is a sense that people maybe overlook that because he isn't this 
as we've discussed, this ruthless clinical striker that gets into the box, smashes goals home, converts all of his chances. But the work that he's doing, or the work that he has done so far this season, up until the injury, has been unbelievable just in terms of his running, his aggression, the way he presses, the way he pushes, the way that he causes defensive problems, gets onto long balls, wins knockdowns. Um, there aren't many strikers that do that. How many strikers do you know that are going to be able to get six goals, six assists? Um, it doesn't really happen that much. And so it's going to be a, a job for town. Obviously, we know that they're going to go and, and push to get a striker this month. And I'm sure they will. Um, but it's going to be a job to find someone that can kind of replace that. He, I'd say, as, as Stu said, is probably the big reason why they haven't really looked to sharp in the last couple of games because you, you take him out of the team and it, it really is a, a big kick in the yeah, <laughs> down there just in terms of losing him in, in terms of um, you look to the options on the bench. Um, Freddie Ladapo, say what you will, but probably is going to be on his way out this month, you'd say, if, if Town can get the one or two strikers in. Kane Jackson is a very different player entirely. Um, and then obviously losing Dane Scarlett there as well. So it's definitely the problem area at this point. And I just think that given the player that George Hurst is to lose him, that is um, a really big blow, especially for as long as it's going to be. looks like it'll be pretty much most of the season, won't it? Yeah, I think there was a very interesting exchange between Kieran McKenna and Freddie Ladapo um, pre-match yesterday on the pitch. I saw the two of them in deep in conversation and... Um, you know, a little handshake and, a, you know, it was all very amiable, but whether that's kind of pointing towards um, his exit this month, it's certainly feeling that way, isn't it? Um, had his chance against QPR. I didn't, I didn't like the atmosphere in the QPR game. I've written about that. I won't dwell on it, but I certainly didn't like some of the sarcastic sort of jeering and um, or cheers when Freddie Ladapo got subbed off. I think he deserves a bit more than that. Um, do I think he's the answer to Ipswich's problems at the moment? No, but you know this is a guy with an unbelievable goals per minute ratio for Ipswich who, who had a, a big role in, in promotion and I think thought he deserved a little bit more than that, to be honest. But um, hey, Great though, didn't he do that? He didn't have a good game, no, but this is all about sort of credit in the bank, isn't it? Yeah. For 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 these individuals, for the teams. He had a bit of a stinker against QPR, no doubt about it. Missed a couple of chances early on. His touch was often heavy. But imagine yourself standing on that pitch and 30,000 people kind of howling in frustration when you have a bad touch. Imagine doing your day job and, and, and being under that sort of pressure. It's not going to help you, is it? It's certainly not going to help you. And... Um, Anyway, look, uh, it's, uh, that game is gone, um, and it looks like Freddie will probably on, be on his way as well. And that, that, well, I mean, whether Ipswich will hold fire on making that decision till they've got other bodies in the building, I don't know. But they needed a striker, possible a striker slash forward, one possibly two, and that was even before the Hurst injury. So, um, yeah, Scarlett's gone back. Hurst is now out till the very, very latter stages of the season, according to McKenna, after that hamstring problem. Um, Ladapo could well be on his way out uh, all of a sudden. That's leaving your striker options uh, pretty bare, isn't it? So it's a, it's a big old big old January transfer window now. It is indeed. And we'll get on to that bit. We have got some sexy stuff to talk about. Um, some, some news that was dropped by an Ecuadorian journalists, which we'll get onto shortly. Uh, but AJ, I want to quickly bring up Leif Davis as well. Another injury. Um, is it a calf strain, I, I hear? So um, obviously he's missed the last two games and the, the assist king part of League, um, League One. They're also now in the championship mm -hmm. for us. Um, he's another big loss, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe in a way, I don't want to say it's come at the right time. There is going to be an injury. Obviously, you know, the last couple of games being uh, without him have been a blow. I thought that... Um, Humphreys did really well on uh, Friday night against QPR, who's my man in the match pick. Um, sounds like Harry Clark did really well filling in from yesterday. So in that sense, I think that they've kind of got through in that area without him. I think that if it's going to be, well, McKenna said, could be kind of one, two, three weeks. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be somewhere, I'd assume, within that bracket. The positive that you have from that is that I think that there was not really going to be a world in which he's going to play at Wimbledon regardless. So then in a position where um, he's got two weeks for the next championship game anyway, and then Sunderland go into Leicester from there. 
So there is a, a chance for him to reset. I think as well, maybe, again, yeah, big loss, but he's played so much football, hasn't he? He's had a knock already this season. There's a lot of these players who've had a lot a lot to do. And you look at maybe Sam Moore's, I'm sure we'll touch on him, but he's going to be another one who, who Tam will be without, and he now gets a chance to have a rest and a reset. At least Davis playing regularly. The amount of energy that he uses to get up and down the flank because he has to be defensively solid, um, get back when the um, town of court transitions, and then also get up and be at times the most attacking player on the pitch, the furthest up on the heat maps, things like that. That is going to take a lot out of him. So to have a few weeks to get over this calf issue, um, have a little bit of time out of the team, just refresh a little bit, especially considering the fact that you look at maybe his performances, especially in December, not hitting the same heights necessarily really tough time at Leeds I don't think that was necessarily all his fault it's just kind of a lot to do with the position that he plays as well but I think that we can maybe see a little bit of him getting burnt out and this is going to be a really good opportunity to get Leif Davis back to his absolute best so when you get towards the latter stages of January and February you're going to have that same player that we've seen from August through to you know the end of November. Yeah it's a good point about the amount of football some of these guys has played and and it's the old adage about no one's ever injured when you're winning games. Everyone sort of plays through things. I'm sure there's been lots of occasions throughout the last year or so where players have, yeah, I'm fine, I can go again. And adrenaline has probably carried people through. We've, we've all ridden this incredible kind of wave of momentum and the players are probably the same. And this has just probably been a little catch-up period where, you know, do not underestimate how much has gone into this start physically, mentally. <clears throat> and it's a bit like when, you know, I think you, we all feel it. You Sometimes you, oh, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, but you're in a really busy period at work and you, you put it off, you kind of, your mind can overcome it. And the minute you have a day off is it's like the minute the cold sort of overwhelms you. It's like your body knows that the immune system can kind of shut down and you have to sort of eventually deal with it. And, and maybe that's just been a little bit of a case with some of these injuries and illnesses and things like that in the camp at the moment. So um, all things considered, I think Ipswich have, have come through. I, I talked about sort of taking a few taking a few punches over, over this Christmas period, but they're, they're still on their feet. And uh, the good news is, you know, they've come to a January transfer window now where they can address some of these issues, which won't, won't be easy, but... Um, Shouldn't be a difficult sell to to get people to the club now. You know, this back in the summer, probably when Ipswich were trying to court a few players, they were thinking, do I want to go to a club that's just spent four years in League One? Yes, they've played some really attractive football, but I don't know which end of the table that they're going to be competing at. Well, now, you know, there's a body of evidence behind Ipswich being second in the table and you, you could be part of something here. So, and also... The fact that there is some gaps in the team, if you're if you're trying to bring a striker in, it's not much of a sell to say, am I going to get some game time? No, that, that slot there is there for you to, to walk straight in for you if you want. So, um, yeah, this time last year, somebody pointed out, I think on, on Twitter, that, you know, it was January the 2nd last year when Ipswich puffed and puffed against 10 men. I think Lincoln went down to 10 men for much of the second half away from home. Um, ended up getting a draw from that game. It was one win in eight, uh, either side of Christmas in the league. And everyone was wondering, oh, is it going to fade away? Are they going to drift? And and uh, the rest is history. So it's going to be a big ask to kind of repeat that narrative this year. I don't think the chances are 2024 is not going to live up to 2023. Let's get our heads around that from the start. But um, this to go back to the point about Freddie and, and the team as a whole and Yes, there's been some frustration of late, but this this group, this squad, this club has earned a hell of a lot of leeway and credit in the bank, I think, for us to, to be sticking with it and and uh, being being right with them. Yeah, this, this team is still fun to watch, ladies and gentlemen. This team is still fun to watch, despite the two goalless draws recently. But, um, you know, it's going to be hopefully another good 2024 ahead of us. Um, shall we talk about some other talking points from the Stoke game? I want to talk about Cameron Burgess quickly, AJ, because um, he's been called to AFCON or for Australia already, He's um, which he's travelled. I think McKenna wasn't too happy about that, it sounded like. Um, yeah, thoughts on that? I put him down as the first goal scorer for this game against Stoke. Ouch. And then I... I looked, he's not even the team. So I was like, oh, mm. gone to AFCON. I hope he's not gone to AFCON. That would be really oh, no. concerning. 
Asian oh, cup. I don't know which African nation Cameron Burgess is representing, but um, I don't think that we're going to be seeing him A, for town, or well, at least in the next few weeks, or B, playing in AFCON necessarily. That would be really good fun. Though. No, he's going to be, he's off with Australia. It's just him. Massimo Luongo could not convince him to drop out. I don't know whether those discussions are had. You never know. Maybe Sam Morsey and... Uh, Mass were kind of sat there saying, "Well, we've dropped out. Why don't you just, you know, let's all just stay here?" Um, no, he he will be a big miss because I think he's been exceptional in the last few weeks. I think um, the one thing that stood out to me in particular, and we've seen this in quite a few games, is his positioning and the way he reads the games has been superb. He did it really, really well um, in the last kind of yeah two three weeks, especially even in some of the tougher games. I've been pretty impressed with him. Um, the only exception to that's probably been the Leeds game, but that's not just him. That was a, a collective issue for sure and, and hopefully a one-off. So to lose him is a blow. Um, Elkan Bagger obviously going off as well. Again, not to AFCON, Ross, to the Asian Cup. Um, so <laughs> to lose them is obviously, yeah, it's, it's a blow and it weakens down at the back and it's going to be interesting to see where they want to go with that, you'd imagine Australia will go probably quite deep into the tournament, for example. Um, so that's going to take them out until what I'd assume kind of beginning, maybe nearer to the midpoint of February. That's quite a lot of games, um, albeit that the next few are nicely spread out, which is good. So, uh, yeah, you've got Tuanzebe there, for example, didn't get the, the full call up to AFCON. That is AFCON, Ross. Um, didn't go into that one. So he's another body to have there. You look at Obviously, Luke Wolfenden's going to be playing a lot of football in the next few weeks, you'd imagine. Um, but I think the, the balance at the moment looks okay. It, it's just about whether there might be the market to go and get another body there. The only issue being that then you get to February and you're then probably a little bit overstocked with centre-backs. I think for me, having looked at the last couple of games, I think the town probably are in a position where they're going to be okay at the back in, in terms of centre-backs for sure. So it's an interesting one, that centre-half one, isn't it? Because it, do you need a bit of a temporary sticking plaster? Probably yes, but as Kieran McKenna says, the way, the style of play they have with kind of building from the back and everything, it's very difficult to suddenly chuck someone in, into the team and expect them to be up to speed with that straight away. Um keep using the example of Massimo Luongo, okay, central midfielder, but they had him in sort of late December on trial and it wasn't till kind of early February, I think, till he fully broke into the team um, last year. Um, so by the time you've kind of got a centre-half up to speed, then Burgess is back and Baggett's back and you don't want to you don't want to block the pathway of Elkan Baggett um, because I think we've all been really impressed with what we've seen from him in pre-season and in cup games as well. And I think he's got a lot of the qualities physically on the ball, left-footed to, to have a role to play for Ipswich going forwards as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do at, at centre-half. Obviously, Don Ball could play there if needs be. I think what yesterday shows is that there's no rush to let um, George Edmondson go. He's been linked to Portsmouth of late. Um, John Massinho with some sort of cryptic comments that I'm, I'm not going to comment on any other players. I made that mistake with Panucci Kamara last summer when he when he kind of passed comment on uh, on his injury record, and I think that that didn't go to, down too well with Ipswich. But the fact that he he hasn't kind of completely quashed that would suggest they are quite keen on George Edmondson. But um, yeah, I think uh, it would be be remiss of Ipswich to uh to be letting him go at the moment given their their central defensive uh situation yeah maybe something later in the window when it's like getting closer to February maybe um, possibly I mean it's yeah I mean it, you would maybe let him go if you could get someone in that you thought might be a a longer term solution for you if you thought come someone we can develop and you thought they've got a bit more of a future um Erin Cashin was someone that Ipswich looked at last summer I don't think they would be able to sign him directly from Derby from from what from what I gather he's probably going to go to a Premier League club I think Brighton are the the forerunners for him and then maybe and we'll come on to relations with Brighton in a minute maybe he's someone that you could then immediately get loaned loaned to you but 
if that is just a six month loan job you know is it worth it by the time you've got him in by the time you've got him up to speed and then you've got to give him back to somebody else you know a few months down the line that's the sort of thing Ipswich will have to weigh up when it comes to the centre half situation well, that would have been a sexy segue, Stu, but we're not going to get onto that just yet, that that link. Because um, I want to quickly bring up Sam Morsey because, uh, boys, the Claxon got hit and he did hit the 10th yellow card of the season. So he's going to miss two games. And unfortunately, it's going to be against Sunderland and Leicester. Two very big games. Obviously, he'll be available for the Wimbledon game in the Cup because it's league, isn't it? But yeah, Stu, Captain Sam Morsey. He's done well to get away from that. Of course, he got banned for the QPR game because of what happened at Middlesbrough. So that was one game he missed. Uh, but now he's going to miss two very big games indeed. Tell you what, that yellow card at the end of the Middlesbrough game has been very, very costly for Ipswich Town. And it was, as Kieran McKenna says, an absolute nonsense yellow card. Ipswich were 2-0 up, banging control of the game. Why the referee would think that Sam Morsi is kicking the ball away for time-wasting in stoppage time, I don't know. It's a split second after the whistle blows. And then as a result of that, um, he's obviously said something to the referee in the tunnel afterwards. Uh, so he misses the QPR game. Was a big miss in that one. Thought Ipswich might be able to do without him that night, but wasn't to be. Um, and it put him one away from a two-game ban. And now that 10th that yellow card has come yesterday. It was always going to come at some stage. It was a little tug in midfield. It was his second foul of the game. Don't think there can be any arguments about this one. And, um, yeah, it means because it's a comp- competition-specific ban that he's now going to be missing Sunderland at home and Leicester away, which is uh, far from ideal to be missing your influential skipper for, for those two. Yeah. AJ, thoughts on that one, my friend? You know, he's he's been on that tightrope for a while, but yeah, had to happen at that game. I think it's funny that we kind of highlighted, oh yeah, we need to make sure he gets through to be available for games like Norwich, uh, like Leeds, like the Leicester game, and now he's going to miss the Leicester game in the reverse, which is a little bit bizarre um, with, the, with the way the, the fixtures have panned out. And I also think as well, what this period has shown, so... Sam has been my player of the month pick with my awards for the last two months now, because I just think that in terms of everything that he's done, he's really been the standout with the leadership, with the way he's played on the pitch, with the way that he's dodged the yellow cards for so long. Um, He knows how to do it. Obviously this one's caught up to him, but for quite a while he's been going through all these really big games and, and not letting that, the knowledge that he needs to avoid the yellow card kind of take away from his aggression and the way he wants to get stuck in. I also think as well, we had this discussion over the summer. There were talks of Sam being linked with a move to Saudi Arabia or around that. Yeah, I think it was Saudi Arabia. Um, and we had the debate of coming, you know, what what would it take to let him go? Would you say, well, you know, you're a Saudi club coming with 10 million, whatever, 10, 15 million. Um, use the money to go and bring in three, four quality players. And there was a, a real debate about that. And I think we all agreed that, you know, you really want to keep him. But there was kind of an argument saying, well, the money is good for a, a, a player who's kind of north of 30 now. And <laughs> you look at what town have been like without him in the team. Um, I think it's been two league games. That's it for the suspensions. Off the top of my head, it's just been the Huddersfield game. 1-1 draw where they really lacked aggression. They needed a bit of bite and a bit of fight against the side who were properly up for it in the absolute pissing rain. Um, and then the QPR one, where they just fell a little bit flat. And if those are the two games, those are the kind of markers of this is Ipswich Town without Sam Morsey. I'm not necessarily sure it is to that extent, but if that is a sign, then it shows just how important he is. He's pretty much top of the list in terms of a player that you really need to have fit and available. You need to have in terms of how Town's system works, in terms of his leadership, in terms of his core characteristics as a player absolutely vital so it will be a really big miss for the two games um again in a similar way to Leif Davis though I think he probably will benefit from a rest don't think that his performances have dipped really at all in the last few weeks but still having now I mean I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Wimbledon but having still you know two three weeks off to have a little breather um and then come back for the games later in, in the month and in February that's going to be quite big for him I think mm. any other business 
from Stoke then, Stu, until we segue on to uh, the Championship, which we've seen a, a massive sacking <laughs> today. Um, but yeah, what was McKenna really saying afterwards? Is he just, you know, he's just he's probably knackered now after, <laughs> after the period. I know he's not playing the games, but to coaching and, you know, setting up everything yeah. is a time. Bo- both managers had a sort of a, a weary look about them after the game, just sort of, right, breathe. We've, we've got through this Christmas period. Uh, what was it? Four four games in ten days. Um, so yeah, he was he was very upbeat. He didn't dress up the QPR game at all. That's probably as kind of downbeat as I've seen him post match. You know, his opening reply in the press conference was didn't like the performance, didn't like the atmosphere, didn't like a lot about it from the QPR game. Uh, so he does say how it is when when it's not been good, and that's not been very often un, under his management. But was keen to to talk up the positives after the Stoke game. Um, said there was a lot to like from it, and and I agree. So, um, yeah, I think he's, you know, he keeps talking about his feet being firmly grounded in reality and uh, knows where they're at. And, um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was, he was okay with the Stoke performance. Um, if you take the red card out of it um, and Ipswich not being able to break down sort of 10 men at the end, most people, I think, would have gone. Do you know what? A, a, a point at Stoke in the circumstances is, is pretty good. It's just the fact that they did have that opportunity against ten men, and you could probably go, well, it was a missed opportunity against Norwich. It's a missed opportunity against Stoke. Will we? Will we be in this sort of position again? Yes. As I said, none of us thought they'd be in this position, but they are in this position. And can we now make the most of it? And uh, I think that's probably where some of the split will come in the fan base is that, yeah, yes, we're all very grateful that they're here. But once you're there, expectations and um, ambitions do change. And, uh, you know, is, is there a danger of, of just kind of shrugging our shoulders at every little missed opportunity? So I, I do get that side of the argument a little bit. But for me... Um, I'm still feeling really upbeat about everything and just just trying to enjoy enjoy it as it comes along and um yeah kind of we move into phase 2 of the season now really yeah, we do indeed. And the championship table is looking very interesting indeed. Um, Leicester, of course, just they're just running away. See you later, Leicester. Enjoy it and all that sort of stuff. Um, but AJ, um, it's big news in the championship. Um, we'll also look at the, the table as a whole um in a se- second. But um Waza, Wayne Rooney. He's gone. He's been sacked. 15 games in charge of Birmingham. Um, obviously got a draw against us. Of course, we had to score two late goals to get a point against Wayne Rooney's side. But um, but yeah, he's gone. Obviously, Birmingham, they were like in the top six, weren't they, when they got rid of John Eustace and now they're 20th or something? Yeah, I think they were just about sixth off the top of my head when they made the change. I think essentially they'd lined up this move for a little while, knowing that they wanted the big profile to go with the big new owners. Um, they'd had, I think, talks even while Eustace was in charge and they were just waiting for the slightest little dip in form and as soon as that came that was when they went chop and change um Birmingham have a record of doing this the fact that the new owners have come in and this was the first thing that they did was certainly alarm bells I'd say and it's the fact that we all knew this was coming we all knew I mean I've seen a lot of supporters at the time who said I don't think he'll make the end of the year and he did by two days um so i think that really shows that at the end of the day if, if thousands of supporters can tell you it's the wrong decision it shows it, it's the wrong decision to go from sixth to i think they're 20th now six points above the the bottom three you're looking at a team like sheffield wednesday who's catching a little bit of form qpr who i think their performances are better than the results suggest rotherham i think um unbeaten three one win two draws huddersfield yeah, maybe one you could get sucked in, but that is turning into a bit of a scrap down there. And you're looking at a Birmingham side who talked about all this high-performance stuff that has now gone from being in a high-performance area, punching well above their weight given the squad that they have, and now they're going to be looking right over their shoulders at the teams uh, that are starting to catch fire while they only won two of their last 15. So interesting to see where they're going to go next. Um, a Lots of different kind of odds makers coming out one uh, that I think had Steve Cooper as the favourite before. Betvik to change their markets now, going Jesse Marsh as the favourite, ex-Leeds. Gary Rowett, uh, my good friend Gary, 
who um, obviously managed Birmingham before, controversially sat there. He's up there as well just after that. Nathan Jones, Scott Parker, um, England under 20, I think under 20, maybe under 21, manager Lee Carsley there. Will Still, formerly of, uh, sorry, a current Rams manager and uh, Alex Neal, formerly of Preston. There's a, a few different ones lying around there. Um, at the same time, to, to that many of them match the sexy name that Birmingham want. Tricky ones for them, but uh, they're, they're in a real rut now and they've totally shot themselves in the foot with this season and probably beyond that. Lee Carsley's a sexy name, though, isn't he? Good old Lee Carsley. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that one in terms of sexy. I don't know. If you went for a sexy name on that, what would it be? Jesse Marsh, maybe the one that was banned out as, yeah, as American. you got obviously the American owners and influence with Tom Brady, all that kind of stuff. But other than that, Will Still, maybe, but. Oh, there's there's not a great deal in terms of real standout names. Nathan Jones, an interesting one. Would Gary Rowett want to go back after what happened last time? It's it's a bit of a, a tricky market to go and navigate now, and I don't necessarily know that in terms of real heavy hitters, if you're setting your aspirations at a top six finish, who do you look at on that list and go, yeah, you're the man, and you're going to be someone that will want to come to the club knowing what the, the kind of culture is at the moment. It's another reminder of um, how grateful we need to be for Ipswich's stability. Mark Ashton talked about stability being one of their superpowers going into this season. They'd looked at the championship and he was quick to highlight back in the summer how many championship clubs changed manager last season, multiple changed manager more than once. And it's happening again um, all around Ipswich at the moment. So it's about sort of keeping your heart, keeping your keeping calm while others around you are losing losing their heads a little bit. And and that's where probably, you know, Ipswich are at at the moment. Yes, they've had a little little bump in the road, but um, it's sometimes it's in the madness of the championship. It's about sort of uh, riding out those little moments rather than sort of panicking as, as so many do. Um, obviously, we're not in any kind of conversation around Kieran McKenna, obviously, but um, just in, in general, at be, being able to kind of... Uh, keep that calmness about you as a club, as a fan base, as everything around you is is very important. Yeah, indeed. Um, and of course, the transfer window has come at a good time for town. It's now open, boys. So the sexy stuff is happening. And Stu, as we mentioned earlier, there's been a link already. Um, take it away. Let us know who it is. Well, yeah, there's there's a few links starting to, to come up now, but we'll, we'll start with the, the main one this morning, which... Um, Given the source, you'd imagine looks looks pretty legitimate because it's come from an Ecuadorian journalist that has uh, in excess of six hundred thousand followers on on Twitter, um, and it's Jeremy Sarmiento, uh, who is a Brighton player but has spent the first half of the season on loan at West Brom. Um, had just come back from from an injury when Ipswich went to the Hawthorns and lost two 0 Came on for the last twenty minutes also in that game, and then started six championship games on the bounce for West Brom uh, just just recently. Um, and I think uh, there was a bit of disappointment from West Brom fans when he got recalled from Brighton yesterday because Matt Phillips is injured for them. Dean Garner's going off um, to AFCON. Uh, and so I think there was a feeling, okay, well, he's going back to Brighton to maybe maybe get a little bit of game time for them off the bench. So if he ends up being loaned back out to one of their championship promotion rivals in Ipswich, uh, I don't think they'll they'll be too pleased about that. But he, he looks uh, an exciting player to watch, looking at his highlights reel. Um, played at the World Cup for Ecuador uh, in Qatar last winter. Um, low centre of gravity, good dribbler, takes people on, primarily plays on the left-hand side, but likes to sort of cut inside. Um, so if this happens, you'd imagine he'll be one to kind of um, compete for places with Nathan Broadhead on in that inside left role, looking at it, but someone who could play the number 10, you could probably play him on the right as well, uh, will just be uh, another bit of competition in those kind of forward, forward positions for Ipswich Town. Yeah, once again, you can watch the highlight reels and it gets you excited. I love the step-overs, I love all the skills, and I know AJ does as well. Um, thoughts on this, mate? Ecuadorian international on loan from Brian. Yeah, an Ecuadorian international who 
ends up moving to London, I think, when he was about seven. He's always had these kind of dreams of playing for Ecuador, and now he's gone and done that. Um, had a youth career at some big clubs. I think Brighton ended up getting him from Benfica. was at Charlton as well. So he's been around a little bit there <clears throat> at youth level, pardon me. Um, he's an exciting one. He's one that when he went to West Brom in the summer, I thought, oh, wow, okay. Didn't realise he was actually going to be on the loan market at all because he was one that I thought was kind of having a little bit of a bit part role at, at Brighton. But they're one who maybe at times like to keep young players in-house to develop them because they have such an astonishingly good record with them in terms of finding these young stars and, and just slowly bringing them through, kind of tripping game time so they get a little bit and they build it up and up and up and up. And there's this whole kind of talk about, I don't know if you've seen this online, but with, with Brighton that they just, they sell someone for a hundred million and then they go out to the streets of some South American country and go, you, you're the one this time, um, bring him in. And then all of a sudden he's the player who's coming on in the Premier League and um, scoring two goals against Manchester United and adding another 10 million onto his uh, price tag. So to see him drop to the championship was a surprise in a sense that I thought he was going to be nearer to the, the Brighton squad when I saw him move over the summer, but to see him now in a position where, where Ipswich are, are hopefully um, going to be in that conversation to bring him in, that's that's exciting. It also shows to me as well what the um, what the movement has been in, in terms of the aspirations of what they can do in January, because this probably wouldn't have been a conversation at all over the summer, as you said, because nobody really knew where Tam were going to land in the division if you know a club knew oh, it's actually going to be in an automatic promotion race or looking fairly comfortable in the top six in, in January, then the summer might have been different. But now that we know this going into the January transfer window, these are the kind of players that you're going to see linked for it to be a player of this profile. I think that's really exciting. He's got that sort of street footballer vibes about him, I think, looking mm. at him. He's quite robust. I think he'll take a kick and jump, jump back up again. Um, probably... Looking at him, he's closest, he's a sort of similar-ish to Amari Hutchinson in terms of being a dribbler, you know, ticks all of the McKenna boxes of young, hungry, technical, athletic. We know Kieran McKenna likes working with players that have, have been schooled in elite academies. Um, but may, maybe slightly different to, to Amari Hutchinson in, in the way it's kind of more of that low centre of gravity and you know, like draw fouls and stuff like that. So um, it's not always about sort of, is he going to start or is he better than what we've got? It's I think McKenna's quite big on adding different specific skill sets. You know, it's different uh, weapons in his armoury for different scenarios in games. He might be quite useful against teams that have got low blocks and he's a dribbler and someone who can win fouls and beat people and, and do stuff like that as well. Nathan Broadhead is more of a he sort of glides past people dances past people um but isn't maybe as dynamic as um as someone like sarmiento so um just someone a little bit different and um just just bulks out that attacking unit because as we've seen in the last few weeks um you know you're only a, a suspension few injury suspension illnesses away from the squad starting to look a, a little bit thinner so it's just future proofing themselves for the next six months uh, and also according to the report it's one that it's which you know if if they were to get promotion would be able to take him on loan for for another season as well according to this report but to stress this has just come from from the the ecuadorian source so far um I think the report says it could happen in the next few hours. So uh, who knows what the situation will be by the time uh, you guys are listening to this. Yeah, I've just seen also um, the, the the big, you know, what the transfer rumour guy, Fariccio Romano, has also been tweeting about it. So, uh, okay. you know, well, was it here we go? Is that what he normally does? So we'll, we we'll go, find man. out when it does. Um, you know, if you listen to this when it's announced, then yeah, there it is. Um, I've just seen his goal, by the way, against uh, Cardiff, which is an absolute stunner. I don't know how he scored from that angle, but um, what an absolute cracker that is. Um, but yeah, we shall see. Um, Stu, um, any other business in terms of the transfer window? Is anything else you think Town will need to look at? You know, obviously, a striker, that's the big the big thing, but um, anything else you think? Yeah, well, I mean, he's not... Obviously, the, the Hurst replacement is is the big one, the number nine. Um, probably going to need two strikers, I would suggest. Um, 
so that that's the the, the big thing this month isn't it um a couple of strikers um and that could kind of be make or break depending on what what Ipswich do uh quite where they fall um in the second half of this season center half we've had a little discussion around you can make arguments for and against that central midfield maybe the other the other area that that you look at potentially um Massimo Luongo, Morsi, Ball. Who else have we got in there? Uh, Jack Taylor, of course. Um, Cameron Humphrey. So you've got you've got some bodies there, but if if you want something a little bit different, might be something that they look at. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's the top end of the pitch, isn't it? That that's uh, the big question mark at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be a busy January. Of course, the January transfer window last year was unbelievable, weren't it? All the signings we made, and will that be the same story this time around? And AJ, obviously, there's going to be departures as well. You know, there's you know we talked about Ladapo recently, of course. Um, you know, Vaclav. I won't, I won't, I won't say his name. I should have got the voice note. Vaclav smooth. smooth. Yeah, good old smooth. Um, obviously, that was another story that went over. Of course, his agent dropping that. Um, but yeah, any other any other business from you in terms of the transfer window? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think. Again, the priority, probably aside from the striker, the forward situation is keep the core of the squad together, to be perfectly honest, is keep what talent have. You know, if there are, for example, Saudi bids for Sam Morsey coming in in January or who knows, someone thinking, ah, oh, I like the look of Connor Chaplin in the Premier League or something like that. The priority absolutely has to be um, keeping this group together, I think, because of what they've done and as she said, with kind of the manager situation, for example, that Ashton's always said, stability is the, the biggest thing here. Um, there will be players that will go out. And um, I think that over time, what you'll see is kind of the water levels rising. There are some players that will end up being, you know, valuable players in this squad at the moment. But when it comes to the summer or potentially even the next few weeks, you'll just see that town want to take that next step. And as a result, there are going to be opportunities for them to to move on, go to clubs where um, they can play regularly. We've maybe seen that already with players like Greg Lee, uh, Carl Edwards going out on loan, things like that. Um, the, the, the water level's rising a little bit. We'll probably see that this month with Freddie Ladapo. And again, over the summer, we'll, we'll obviously get to that one uh, at the end of the season. But there'll probably be players there where town are going to look to go and be a, a top championship side if they're still in the league or adapt to the Premier League, whatever that's going to be. But again, it's just going to keep going up and up and up from there. And um, there will be those on the fringes that, that will go and, you know, with, with the club's best wishes at the end of the day as well, they played a really important part. Um, be that Freddie, be that whoever goes um, in the next six months to a year. Um, but it will be for their best and for the club's best to free up a place. And, and just to continue the cycle of constant progression, because that's what Ipswich have had for the last kind of, what, 18 months or so. So it will just keep that going. Um, yeah, that's just the cycle of football in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. Um, also, I just want to quickly mention, there has been a departure at town. Obviously, he wasn't part of the, the promotion winning team, but uh, Tete Yenge, the Australian forward, has uh, joined Livingston, um, Scottish Premiership side, on a permanent deal. Um, I, I said in my sort of thoughts was that he just he was an enigma. Absolute enigma. He was there. Then he went out on loan to Finland twice. Was at Northampton as well. And then he was gone. Uh, never played for town. But um, yeah, that's the first departure of this January transfer window. And um, yeah, get ready. Get yourself fast in your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. January is going to be another window, I'm sure, of um, different rumours and all that stuff. But of course, Stu, AJ are the, man, the men to uh, bring you the update news and all that sort of stuff. Um, all right, and boys, another pod in the bag. Any other business we want to mention? Stu, anything else you want to say? No, we'll continue to try and sort the wheat from the chaff on the, the transfer front. I think uh, the higher ups which get, the more noise there's going to be around them from, from national and international outlets as various names knocking about. We didn't touch upon it in the in the centre-half chat, but Charlie Cresswell, um, who Alex might might be able to talk about uh, at some point, it was at, is at Leeds, but spent last season on loan at Millwall, has been linked. Um Charlie Hughes is a young defender at Wigan, describes a ball-playing centre-half, has been linked as well. So, um, yeah, I can't give you updates on on those ones at the moment, but we're constantly making phone calls. We're tr- constantly speaking to sources inside and outside the club, and we'll we'll try and uh, we'll try and sort out the uh, as I say the 
truth from fiction over over the coming weeks. It's not easy, but um, yeah, I think we're going to have plenty of transfer rumours to get our teeth into. Indeed, we shall wait and see. Well, boys, uh, final actually thoughts is um, any New Year's resolutions? That's always the the cliche question going into a new year. Uh, Stu, start with you, mate. What any anything you're wanting to do this year? Anything you want to achieve? Um, not big on New Year's resolutions because I don't think you end up keeping many of them. Um, go to bed earlier. Okay. Don't keep doing this cycle where you you're looking at your phone at like half 11 at night go to bed mate there's nothing to be gained from doom scrolling through your phone and just looking at, at silly things go to sleep tomorrow you'll thank yourself yes yeah, you, you can go to that later i can i can respond to that message in the morning it's not that important and you can scroll through that you know the next day no nice nice one um aj any any new year's resolutions for you my friend um another year um covering itch town of course yeah, another year. I've not even reached my first full year yeah. yet. Um, I like Stu's. Mine is a work-related one. It's a specific one with our software system, and that is to make sure that I keep changing the sort times on the articles because what you have to do with the system at, uh, at the EADT is the fact that every time that you put out an article, if you're doing the report or something like that, you have to change the times that goes out at the time that you want it to and doesn't get backdated. And I always make this mistake. Every time, I think Mark probably wants to throw me off a roof or something like that, because uh, the amount of times he's had to go in and change them himself, that's going to be my one. Is that every time I, I put something out, I always have to make sure the sort time is changed and accurate. So that's going to be mine. Of course, boys, you know, and all the listeners know mine. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, passed my drive test. I was going to think. I was trying to think smarter now. I was trying to think of another another thing, but I wasn't too quick to think there. But um, yeah, hopefully. Roscoe will be on the roads. This is the year. Come on. So yeah, twenty twenty four. Roscoe on the roads, driving everyone about because um obviously I, I a lot of people lifts, um you two included, Liam from Crew and other many many people I can name check. So many people. Um, but hopefully this is the year then, boys. Uh, well, that is it. Thanks for listening to another Kings of Anglia podcast. The final, final one, the first one of twenty twenty four. We'll be back maybe later in the week. Obviously, looking ahead to the AFC Wimbledon FA Cup third round, boys. The FA Cup is here. What a competition! Um, and it's been a while since we've been in the third round because obviously we've been having to go through the first round, second round. Well, yeah. we was in it this year, Ross, in the third round. But you know, you know what I mean. Oh, As in know, start, starting at the third round. Starting was being pedantic. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, of course, of course. But um, yeah, we'll hopefully be back for another podcast to look ahead to that and then hopefully talk about some more transfers and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, AJ, Stu, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, make sure to support our sponsors, Manscaped. Use the code KOA to get 20% off uh, and free delivery for all your stuff and all that jazz, as we mentioned in the earlier chat. Um, also, if you want to get any merch, I've been seeing some Kings of Anglia hats um, at games which uh, big shout out to you if you've been wearing it so if you want to get a hat you want a mug all that sort of stuff check out our merch shop for all that sort of great stuff and also on social media kings of anglia on twitter instagram facebook it's all it's x now actually and so it's not twitter it's x but we call it twitter still um facebook and all that jazz and follow our, all our content as you do on our website and the paper and all that jazz and uh, we're back for now podcast soon bye for now all that jazz all that jazz, all that jazz. All that jazz.